Well, you know, the presence of the Lord is here. I can feel it in the atmosphere. Amen. And, you know, it's a funny thing about, um, about this place. It's just a building like any other building. But when you walk into it after you have petitioned the presence of the Lord, it changes. Isn't it amazing? We could leave this building and go next door and not sense what we're sensing here. So it is very powerful. And I want to say thank you for your love for the Lord tonight. We're going to complete the series that we've been working on. And I've just been enjoying this series so much about the seven anointings of, uh, of Jesus. And uh, we're, going to f- we're going to wrap it up. It's called The Fear of the Lord. And I won't keep you long this evening. But I just, before I get into it, though, I do want to encourage you to give me some feedback about, uh, about the location that we show- shared with you on Sunday. I've got probably about... Uh, Eight very positive and maybe two not quite so positive so far. And that's all. Ten people is the only ones that have responded to me. So I really need to get some direction. But here's what we thought we would do. We were going to have a church picnic um, on the east side here. So we were looking for a location. We thought, why not just use that place as a location so we can all go down there, kind of check it out, look at it, and just see what it's like and uh, give us a chance to frequent it and get to know a little more about it. And no decisions have been made. And so we're just praying and waiting on the Lord. But any feedback that you can offer would be appreciated, uh, appreciated so, so much. Tina greets you and says hello. She was caught up in a family thing today. Hallelujah. It's a good thing, but it was a family web, an entanglement that she's working her way through as the matriarch of the house, laying down the rules and guiding them to victory. Hallelujah. <laughs> I got an amen corner right here. Amen. Empty seats on the front row. I'm not used to seeing that. Anyway, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2 is where we want to go tonight. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. Thank you, Holly. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. You see, when exploits are manifested, and that's exactly what God's going to do in this room tonight. There's going to be exploits manifested. We're not here without purpose. The word of the Lord has come forth. Testimonies have come forth. God's word is coming forth. Worship has been released. It's all with purpose. It's for the exploits of the kingdom. It's for the manifestation of God's kingdom. So we're here about to have an encounter with God. I'm telling you, we're here with, with an encounter in mind. Exploits are manifested. It's because something powerful is present. Now let me share with you, and I think the Lord has really helped me tonight in this message. What I believe is present here is the fear of the Lord. And when the fear of the Lord is present exploits are released. And you could see that in the story of Genesis chapter 42 and verse 18 when Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live for I fear God. This fear of God enabled Joseph to save Egypt in a time of famine, in a time of lack. He said, I want you to do this 
because I fear God. This is the answer. This is the direction. The fear of the Lord birthed an answer. And the fear of the Lord also saved a nation and preserved a people. So when the fear of the Lord is present, it is mighty. It creates exploits. It gives and produces miraculous things. We see this also not only in Joseph's life, but we see it in Job. In Job chapter 1 and verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Huh? Job was described as one of the greatest men that ever lived in the East. He was revered by all. He served God. He revered the Lord. And even Satan himself said, Does not Job fear God for nothing? In other words, he realized that Job's success and position in life was as a result of his fear of the Lord. And so we want to talk about that tonight because it's an anointing that Jesus carried as well. Daniel 11 and 32, and you know the scripture. It says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This week I have been in a battle of my faith. I was in a covenant struggle. And people would say, how are you doing? I said, I am defending my covenant of health and my right to it. They say, oh, does that mean you're sick? No, I'm defending my covenant of health and my right to it. Why is it people want you to say your why? No, no, no. I'm in a I'm in a defense. I am defending what God has awarded to me. And the fear of the Lord will cause a manifestation, an exploit to be released through my life as long as I hold dear the reverential awe of God. People say, well, what is the fear of the Lord? The reverential awe of God. Complete submission to His rulership and control. Complete submission to His rulership and control. I believe the fear of the Lord is also to reject all other gods. All other sources. To reject all other resources. And it's also this, Joy Dawson writes, to have God's attitude towards sin. That's what the reverential fear of the Lord is. To have God's attitude towards sin. To have a deep and healthy respect for His character and His holiness. You know, I love Deuteronomy chapter 10, and you won't see it up on the screen because this was a late edition. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12 reads... And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways and to love Him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. What does the Lord require of you? To fear the Lord. 
To fear the Lord your God. In other words, to develop this reverential awe of God, this complete submission to his rulership, to have this attitude that God does towards sin, and to have a deep and healthy respect for his character and holiness in everyday living. That is the fear of the Lord. Now, it's interesting in Isaiah 11 and 2 when you start talking about the spirit of the Lord and you start talking about the spirit of counsel and might and wisdom and all of those. The last one mentioned is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. But I don't believe it's last. I believe it's first. I believe it's, it's sort of on the bottom rung of a ladder. It's on the bottom rung of a ladder. It's inverted. The list is inverted. And you begin to discover what's required as we see how to get to the level that God wants us to live in. How to scale the obstacle that you are facing tonight. Whatever that might be, whether it's your personal or whether you're connected to a person who has an obstacle. Because sometimes God doesn't give you the obstacle. He gives it to someone connected to you so you can assume it as if it were yours as a burden bearer and you become sort of a smart bomb because of their connection in your fear of the Lord, your faith begins to manifest in their life. See, that's what a body of Christ is all about. And so we see that the spirit of the fear of the Lord is the, the, the foundational anointing. It is something that has to be recaptured in the house of the Lord. Because today it is something that has escaped the body of Christ. When you start talking about a reverential awe of God and hate what God hates and love what God loves, it's something that has eluded us. It's something that we really can't say that we uh, wholeheartedly embrace but my friends, without the fear of the Lord, we can't get to the next rung. We can't get to the spirit of knowledge. We talked about that last week. We can't get to the spirit of might or the spirit of understanding or wisdom or the spirit of the Lord without the fear of God. Why not? Look at Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is what? Read it with me. The beginning of what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Go back to the ladder if you can. We see the fear of the Lord is the starting place. It's the foundation of knowledge, which is understanding or revelation. And we read that last week about twice I heard, I mean, God spoke once and twice I heard in regards to the rhema word of God and getting the revelation, getting the insight, getting the understanding of the Lord. We can't even operate on that level without reverential awe of God. So it's hopeless. So you see the condition of the local churches. You see the condition of the body of Christ in America. Without the fear of the Lord, what hope do we have to operate in the same spirit that was on Jesus? Jesus said, greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. That means we have to have that same anointing that was on him that could become upon us. 
But it starts with the fear of the Lord. And then Proverbs 24 and verse 5, the Bible says, A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Now watch what's happening. Do you see the progression of this? Please follow through. And maybe if you weren't here for all seven of the teachings, you'll have to get the CD or whatever. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we see a knowledge. And that knowledge now, according to Proverbs chapter 24 and 5, a man of knowledge increases in what? Strength. Let's go back to the ladder again. A man of knowledge increases in strength or the spirit of might. So now I'm connected because I have developed a reverential fear of the Lord. I cultivate the fear of God in my home and in my family, in my personal life. I now am operating in knowledge, which is connecting me to the might of God, the strength of God. But it's all predicated upon the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This is so exciting to me. In Job 28, in verse 28, we go on and we read, And to man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, that's understanding. So now we're hearing more, that the fear of the Lord is producing all of these anointings in our life. Go back to it. The fear of the Lord is now bringing us the understanding and the wisdom of God. So without the fear of the Lord, where are we as a believer? We are helpless. We are without an anointing. I don't care how, much, how many bells you play in the background in your music. Or how many angel voices you hear through the synthesizer. Or how many good preachers are preaching. It's not an anointing that was on Jesus. Jesus didn't have a B3 an organ. Jesus didn't have a choir backing him up singing just as I am. Jesus didn't have a synthesized voice of angelic voices coming forth during the altar call. He didn't have it. But what he had was a reverential fear of the Father in heaven which produced in him the anointings of God that would uh, overcome any obstacle in life, ladies and gentlemen. I've got confidence tonight. I've been in some battles when I didn't think I was coming out. And this week when I was defending my covenant right to health, I thought, God, what's going on in my body? And Sunday as I was preaching, I thought, what if I throw up right here as I'm speaking? I said, God, how is this happening? But as I begin to fall back on the fear of the Lord. I thought, wait a minute. I have my basics down. I've got the foundation established. And even though the winds are blowing and the rain is beginning to fall, and even though the floodwaters are rising and the house is shaking... The fear of the Lord is established and it's the beginning place of the anointings of God. I've got to cultivate the fear of the Lord in my life. Look at Job 28 verses 9 to 11. 
He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the root. He cuts out channel in the rocks. And his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams from trickling. And what is hidden he brings forth to light. Whoa. God, you mean the fear of the Lord is able to release things that in the natural are absolutely impossible. You don't put your hand on the flint. And who can uproot a mountain? I'm not talking about just leveling it. I'm talking about pulling it out at its roots. And then who... Who drinks out of rocks? I mean, God is beginning to manifest in your life based on the fear of the Lord that you have cultivated in your life and your utter dependency upon Him. And now He is ready to show Himself strong on your behalf. There there is strength in this room tonight. There's counsel, there's wisdom, there's understanding. I I am so persuaded that every time we meet, no matter who it is and what their need is, they can get an answer from God. And, And they can get healed. I believe that. I've seen it happen too many times. This is the second testimony. And I don't think Leslie shared about how the doctor said that the the cancer kind of went inward. What was that again? How did it go? It kind of gathered and on Michelle? Her vision. That came together. And it twisted outward and Jesus' face was over the top of it. And and this is the same testimony that Todd and Naomi had about the cervical cancer that that should have grown outward and it gathered together and grew inward and was totally contained. And when the cervix, whole thing, uterus rather, was removed, there was no cell left in the body which ordinarily would have been filled in the body because that's its nature. But how many know that God's kingdom is greater than nature? See, it's not water's nature to to flow through a rock. But we're not talking about our kingdom. We're talking about his kingdom. And so it doesn't matter how big the mountain is. We don't dig through the mountain. God just picks it up and pulls it out by the roots and goes, okay, go ahead, have your way, take off. There it is. It's all yours. He's a mountain-moving God. And he is able tonight, amen, to overturn mountains at the root and obstacles into miracles, make rivers out of rocks, and flourish in spite of hardship. Proverbs 14 and verse 27 says this, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. 
Wow. Wow, wow, wow. She thought she was going to die. She was in the snare of death. I don't think that was fabricated. I don't think Michelle was just because of the anesthesis of the situation there. I don't think that was the result. I, I, I think she was sensing a grip upon her. She was in the snare. You know what a snare is, don't you? It, the, the, the death hold uh, 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 upon her. You see, the Bible says that, that, that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It is a source that when you come to the fountain, life out of the fountain comes into you. And no matter how, how, how strong the hold of death is upon you, it has to break the hold of death because life is greater than death. And that's why Paul said, death, where is thy victory? Death, where is thy sting? Ooh, Jesus, you are so powerful. And when she said, no, I believe Jesus is going to heal me, she started drinking at the fountain. No, I believe that Jesus is going to heal me. He said he was going to heal me. She took another drink. And you know, it doesn't take long. Two or three, man, you're already starting to feel it. And when you start to feel it, ain't no turning back now. Sometimes you just have to let yourself go and get drunk on God. So fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. Wow, I don't know how many times the devil had planned to destroy your life, kill you today, maybe last year in that accident or somehow through that sickness and disease and others would have went that way. But because you drink at the fountain of life, the snare of death had to be broken. It's just like a bird out of the snare. How do you know that song? How's it go? It's like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Da, 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 da. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, uh, I have escaped. Uh, and, and boy, Lola and I get to sing, and you all be in real big trouble. <laughs> But the snare is broken. Come on. Just, just find somebody tonight and say, take a drink from the fountain and your snare will be broken. Come on, take a drink from the fountain and your snare will be broken. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, you know what song I'd love to do sometime, Tracy, is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. That is a powerfully strong theological weapon to sing when you're in the middle of trouble. I got a message for you Sunday. You know what I titled it? It's controversial. God is in trouble. That's all I'm going to say about it. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Ask the Lord for rain. I wish you could be in my little office upstairs sometime, you know. As I'm studying the Bible and I get this inside, I go, Ah, God, this is good. I got nobody to share with. Ain't nobody here but just you and me. 
Zechariah 10, verse 1. Maybe we ought to Twitter. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Now, why would you ask God for rain in the time of the latter rain? Because there are some people on the earth that aren't satisfied with just a little bit of rain. Some folks that just aren't satisfied with what has been because we know there's more. We know that God has something bigger in store. We know there's a fountain, not just a sprinkle. We know God wants to pour it out upon his people. And so, you see, I've got to ask him for more rain when it's raining. That's what Zechariah said. And the Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain and grass in the field for everyone. The former and the latter rain, that is, that is walking in the fullness of the seven spirits of God. Now that's my theological interpretation. I don't, don't claim to have all the accurate, you know, interpretations, but I believe the former and the latter rain is the fullness of the seven spirits of God. And with something we have to ask for. It's something that we're going to have to long for and hunger for. It's something that we cannot be satisfied with just status quo church life. It's something that we're saying there's got to be more rain. There's got to be because there's too many people sick and dying prematurely. There's too many people in trouble and there's too much of sin reigning and having dominion in this world. There's got to be more power somewhere. There's got to be a people who are not satisfied with the way church has been and hunger, hunger and thirst who's panting like a deer after the water brooks of God and like Isaiah said, drawing from the wells of our salvation, the joy of our salvation. We want more. God, pour out the former and the latter rains together. I want to flow in these seven anointings, God. And it all starts with a reverential fear of the Lord. A reverential fear of the Lord. There are some things that I don't engage in because I don't want to hurt my daddy's feelings. He doesn't like it, so I don't do it. If I, I want to do it, but I don't do it because I know that if I do it, I would hurt his heart. And I love him too much to hurt him, you see. So I don't do it, and I don't say it, and I don't go there, and I don't engage in it because it's something that I don't want to do to bring him sorrow. I'm not perfect by any means, but I have a reverential fear of the Lord. I love him too much. To cause him to be pained over my engaging of that thing. You see what I'm talking about, church? It's fostering that fear of the Lord. And so Joel 2 and 23 says it this way. Joel 2 and 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you. The former rain faithfully. And he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. You see, this was the promise, ladies and gentlemen. It was the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
It was what Peter quoted, this is that, which the prophet Joel had prophesied. This wasn't all about, it was from the very beginning that the church would operate in this level of anointing. And somehow down through the centuries we have lost this impactful testimony all because we've lost the fear of the Lord. We're not afraid to sin. We don't hesitate to befriend the world. We don't think twice to become religious and self-righteous. And as a result, we can't get to the next rung because it's too high of a step on our own without the fear of the Lord. So God, please, can you cultivate the fear of the Lord in the house of God once again? Can we somehow create a hunger of the authentic? Can we somehow once again desire, oh God, that, that outpouring of your glory and for your glory alone, that no man would boast or none of us would somehow decree we have anything to do with what you are doing. But we give all the glory to Jesus. All the glory to him. <laughs> he really isn't comfortable sharing his glory. I mean, you're good. I mean, some of you are very powerful in the anointing, but you can't have it. It's not yours. It's not our glory. It's God's glory. You see, God's presence is guaranteed when the fear of the Lord is in your life. Let me say this again. God's presence is guaranteed when you have the fear of the Lord in your life. And when I have God's presence, though there be 10,000 at my right hand, and 10,000 at my left hand, and though they try to slay me, hmm, you see, I have something inside. I possess something that you cannot touch, tear away, or buy from me. It was what sustained the Apostle Paul through all of his physical traumas and losses. It was the presence of the Lord. You see, divine presence is your greatest asset in life. Romans 1 and 3 and 4 speaks of Jesus and it says this concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. There it is. 
There it is. There is the birthing. There is the womb. There is the place of conception of power. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the holiness of God. It's the recognition of His Lordship, his controlling life over my life, his, his sovereignty, his glory, his will, his name. And because of that, Jesus came with power. And that's why Acts 10.38 says, You know of Jesus Christ, whom God has anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, who came about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I believe it, church, with all my heart. If I didn't, I'd have to quit. I'd go sell shoes, gas. I'd become some kind of a businessman. I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't continue doing what I'm doing if I didn't believe we could get to the place. There is a place of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where you and I and together as a church will give God all the glory, but every person can be healed. Every person can be saved. Every marriage can be mended. Every financial lack can be met. Because we go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil. If I didn't believe that, I would quit. If I didn't aspire to that, I would have no motivation to preach. Because after 34 years of preaching, it becomes redundant. I have enough sermon outlines in a drawer to never have to study another day of my ministry and preach up a storm. Be anointed. But the day that I do that is the day I have lost the fear of the Lord where I have assumed that I Know what it is the people need to hear. He was declared to be the son of God with power because a spirit of holiness was on him. Listen, folks, here it is. Jesus knew no sin and he knew no defeat. Can you imagine he was never defeated? Even when they ran him out of town, they're going to tar and feather him. He's walking out going, hey, victory in me. Victory in me. He was victorious. He knew no defeat. How is it he knew no defeat? Because he knew no sin. That's why the reverential fear of the Lord will remove sin from you, which removes defeat from you. I believe defeats as a result of sin. I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. I've had that plastered all over my house, in the bedroom mirror, in my car, at work, over my door as I walked in and out of the office. I had everybody put it on. 
We cannot be defeated and we will not quit. How can I be defeated if there is no sin? (laughs) That's exciting. So if I get the sin out, I get the victory in. How do I get the sin out? Oh, stop preaching this and that and clothesline and sip and saying and all those things. Develop the reverential fear of the Lord. That gets the sin out. You see, I could preach a long laundry list of sin and doggone it, you know I'd miss one or two. And you duck right under that radar. Oh, so I couldn't help you. I couldn't help you as a preacher. If I missed one or two, I, whoo, thank you, Jesus. He didn't say that. Glory. And we've tried that, haven't we? We've got to get back to fostering the fear of the Lord. <laughs> dedication. It's my dedication he's after. My dedication to what, God, I ask. He said, to doing the things that please me. You know, it's funny. I've been married now, going to be 38 years next month with my wonderful bride. 38 years. You'd think I would know her by now. And I do. But I cross the line anyway. Because I feel spunky. Or sometimes I just don't really care. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, so? This is me today. I'm just having me day. And I cross that. You know, I'm, I'm testifying right now. The other day, Tina was bringing in stuff. And she likes stuff. She's, she loves decorating and it's an expression of who she is, and she does a great job at it, but she has stuff everywhere. And she was unloading some stuff from the van and bringing it in the house, and I said, I knew, I, see, I knew, I knew that wouldn't please her. But I wasn't worried about pleasing her. I was worried about pleasing myself. Thank you. Watch this now. And what did I say? I said, sweetheart, why don't we just throw that away? Because you know what? Neither of them work anyway. Now, what they were, were two CD players, old ones. But my wife doesn't care whether they work or not. They're a matter of a piece of decor that could work in a certain situation. I already knew that, see. But me, I'm more practical. It's like, don't bring this stuff in the house. There ain't no room for it anyway. We got stuff lined up the side of the wall. You know, honey, those don't work. Can't you just throw them away? And she said, and I knew I crossed the line right away. And she said, well, I wanted them. And she was downcast. I, she said, I wanted them. And I went, oh, man, I just, I didn't please her by what I just said. And I said, well, it's all right. Just keep one of them. <laughs> you, you just throw the other one away. She goes, well, I wanted both of them. And she was walking over to the trash, and she dumped both of them in the garbage can. Yeah, see? And I walk right and I said, I am a bum. I am, I am worthless. I am, I'm like so stupid. 
stupid. You know, why did I do? Oh, sweetheart, can you forgive me? I'm so sorry. I said, let me get these out. I'll try to fix them. We put them away. And she said, you know, it's okay. It's all right. we, you know, you're right. We do have too much stuff. And she said, you know, I wanted it. I said, I knew you wanted it, honey. Now, I just feel like a real heel right now. That's what it does when we sin. We do what pleases us. And we know what pleases God. And we do it anyway. And then after we see him go, oh, I'm sorry, God. And you know what, God? I didn't really mean that. Can you please forgive me? I'll, I'll dust it all off. I'll make it better again by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus, for I have sinned. Oh, God. You know what I'm saying? And that's how the enemy uses our pleasure-seeking moment to interfere with the reverential fear of the Lord. Because my dedication is to do the things that please Him. And if I can't do the things that please Tina, how can I do the things that please my Heavenly Father? Selah. Thank you, Lord. John 8, 29. And he who sent me, I'm almost done. Hang on. I got two minutes. And he who sent me is with me. Now, Jesus has any time after 8.30. Okay? My time is up till then. Then he does whatever he wants. I am not on the clock for Jesus' time. Okay? And he who sent me, he who sent me is with Look, I drove a long way to be here. I ain't about to just flip right through this thing. It was kind of funny, you know, Sunday, we were, <laughs> we, were, we were showing the little map up there, and people said, well, that's a long way to drive. I said, mm-hmm. And so, well, you know, that's going to add 15 minutes on to my trip. I said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How long do you think I drove to get here? <laughs> All right, anyway, John 8, 29, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. There's the secret of Jesus. He always did the things that please him. And that's where the devil will come in and say, hey, hey, you don't have to do that all the time. I mean, after all, they're taking advantage of you. See, that's where you have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And you say to the devil, Satan, I rebuke you. That's not God. Get behind me. Because I know you're trying to rob me of my reverential fear of God, which is the beginning of all the anointing that I need to walk in. You're after my anointing. And you can't have it. Jesus paid too big of a price for my anointing. I didn't pay any price for it. He paid the price for it. I don't even want to go there. That's a little pet peeve of mine. I hear too many times people say, you don't know the price I paid for this anointing. How long did you hang on the cross, Bubba? Help me. You know, you've been in this thing after, when you've been in this thing as long as I have, you get a little, I don't know. You know what I mean? You just kind of like click. I don't want to listen to that. Okay. Acts 9 and 31. This is a late edition as well, guys. You don't have this. 
they're all looking back there. Where's Acts 9, 31? He didn't give that to us. I don't know what happened to it. Acts 9, 31. And then I'm going to finish with this one, I think. Here it is. Then the churches throughout all Judea, all of Galilee, all of Samaria, had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord, (laughs) and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Oh, God, we can look for multiplication in the fear of the Lord. Oh, God, what else can we look for? We can look for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We can look for peace. We can look for edification. It's all around the fear of the Lord. (laughs) So it's a return to what the early church found when the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Our prayer Restore once again the fear of the Lord. Our prayer is to hunger again for the presence of a living God. Reverence and respect. Honor and paying Him homage. Just put your Bible aside for a minute. Let's turn it up a little bit. Father, we want to come to the place of reverence. We want to be a seeker, friendly church. We want to seek the fear of the Lord. I want an encounter with the seven spirits of God. Jesus. Jesus there. Thank you, Lord. I will run to the hiding place. Yes, God, we will. I will run. But I may fear your name. For there there is mercy. Jesus. There's there's mercy, God. That's the hiding place of the Lord. Come on, just let the Holy Spirit Stretch your hands up to heaven. Can you just begin to tell Jesus, cultivate in me, O God, the reverential fear of the Lord. For we hunger and we thirst for the revival of the grave. 
hunger for thirst for the latter and the former rain. Father, tonight we're just asking that the Holy Spirit would infuse upon our hearts a purity of love and adoration for you. And Lord God, we really just want to please you. So cultivate in our hearts as a church this new hiding place. It's the place that says, I don't want to hurt my father. And Lord, may we never cross the line. May we never, ever cross the line again. And Father, I thank you for the healing virtue of Jesus that's in this room right now. And Father, I just send my faith toward Mark right now in his eyes. And I declare that he's the healed of the Lord. Dan, would you just reach up and put your hand on Mark right there? Just pray in the Holy Spirit with me tonight. Shorabarinde prosa parate la curanda cabase tadabababarinde le beretoso tadarashara la lacardia. In the name of Jesus, we command his eyes to respond to the divinely instructed creative power of God and to be made whole now to line up with his covenant right to see clearly in the name of Jesus we pray Lord come on just lift up to Havilah Lewis right now just diagnosed with cervical cancer we command cancer to leave her body come on folks this is a surgical center We've already heard a miracle about Michelle. We can believe God for Naomi. We can believe God for this other lady right now. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over cancer. It must go. It must go. It must go. It must go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just want to speak right now. 
where there's been a complexity and an entanglement that has de- developed. I pray, God, right now. Thank you, Lord. Even, this is what I'm seeing in the Holy Spirit. It's like when they came around Jesus on the mount after he had commanded those demons to go into the pigs and they were going to cast him off the edge. There was no way out. But Jesus walked right through them and continued on in his mission. And I just see complexity and entanglement and accusation coming around you. And it appears that there's no way out. But the cultivation of the fear of the Lord will release you into a way that no man could give you. But God himself, like Jesus, walking right through that thing into victory. Because you have a mission on this earth. And Satan is not going to deter it. You're going for it. You're going for it. And you're going to win. Hallelujah. And we thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Turn that up some more, brother. Come on, lift your hands and let's sing with our brother tonight. Hallelujah. Say with me, Sue, you are the healed of the Lord. We command that degenerative disc in the back of your neck to be made whole right this very minute at 8.41 p.m. And we expect the good testimony in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know. I just wish we could, like, have an all-nighter and have breakfast in the morning and, you know, get our pajamas on. And now, don't get me wrong now. I'm talking about fully clothed pajamas. Just spend the night in Jesus. But you can do that. We just can't do it together. So on your way out, just go with Jesus. You wouldn't want me there all night. You don't want to hear that, right? But remember, Sunday morning, my title is God is in Trouble. And uh, I'm praying that you'll be a part of that meeting and bring somebody with you that needs Jesus or that might have difficulty in their life. I really feel like there's going to be an anointing for problems. Isn't that a weird anointing? But problems. And man, you've got to know at least one person with at least one problem, right? So bring them to the house of God and uh, call me. Uh, give me your feedback. It doesn't matter. Yes, no, because I made no, I'm, my heart is with Jesus, so it doesn't matter. But I just need to hear from you in regards to that potential location. So, you know, call me, email me, whatever. 
But Sunday is going to be a great day. It's going to be a problem-solving day. Amen? Because God is good all the time. Love you, Robert. You the man, buddy. I'm telling you, he can sing. I can't say goodbye, so see you later. Live right, love everybody, pray hard. I can't say goodbye. <laughs> hey, love on one another, okay? Say, say, say something to somebody. Be friendly. Just don't buzz on out of here. Say hi, how you doing, or my name is, or whatever. God bless you all.